0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
1: Savior, say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it
2: all,
1: all to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
3: Good evening. evening. Welcome to Kensington Church and to our Good Friday service. We are truly so honored that you've chosen to spend this time with us as we take a journey to the cross uh, this evening. You know, the story um, of Good Friday is sometimes hard to manage emotionally and intellectually, at least it is for me, because it's a story um, that is at the same time horrific and tragic, and yet wonderful and beautiful. And our hope this evening is that in the next hour as we journey together, that we can engage all of our senses, and most of all, all of our heart, in this story, whether you're hearing it for the first time, which is probably unlikely, or you've heard it a thousand times, that there will be a freshness and a newness as we lean into this. You know, I think the enigma of this story um, for me was, was experienced again today when I called my wife who's in New York and we were just catching up and then I realized, oh, this is Good Friday. And so I went to greet her and I wasn't sure what word to use. Every year I think I experience this. You say, happy Good Friday, doesn't sound right. Sad Good Friday, I don't know, that's not much of a greeting. So we see this dichotomy here. And I was thinking today about how really, what an oddity this actually is. Many of you are probably wearing something like this right now. If you actually think about it in a fresh way, you say, here we have a symbol of perhaps one of the worst inventions in terms of how to kill a person. It's a slow death, it's torturous, it's painful. And we've taken this and we've turned it into a piece of jewelry that we wear around our necks and perhaps close to our heart. And so we're going to press into this today the enigma of the cross, the ugliness and the beauty that are both there, and encounter God, I think, along the way. So we want to alert our online audience, we're so glad you've joined us today, because we are going to take communion together, and we would love if we could do it both together here in this room and then spread all across the city and who knows where to do communion together. And, you know, Jesus instituted this in the Last Supper at the Passover with his disciples. And he wanted to give them something that they would do regularly as symbols to remember. That's a key word, to remember. And so he took things that were just common elements on the table. It was some bread and it was the wine. And he gave new meaning, rich meaning to them. So at home, I would just encourage you to take a moment, uh, maybe right now, to go into your kitchen and find something that can represent Jesus' body, which is broken for us. And then something that represents his blood, which is shed for us. And so, later on in the service, we'll do this together. Now, for those of you that are here in the room with me, you received one of these, I hope, on the way in. And I wanna tell you, they're a little bit complicated to use, especially maybe for my stubby hands. Um, so, uh, just a heads up that there's two, there's two steps to it. There's a thin layer on the top that you take off, and then the wafer is there, representing the, the, the broken body of Jesus. And then another one you take off, which is the juice inside. And I would even say it's okay to get the top one off early, like even now, so that when we come to that moment together, you're not struggling. So, but we're so excited that, um, that we can participate together in communion. So as we uh, continue our journey together now, we are going to take just a moment to receive our offering. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the words of the song that we opened up with today, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. That was a hymn that I grew up with. I remember as a child, as a young adult, singing that song together. But what it's really saying is that the cost that Jesus paid, the demonstration of his great love for us, almost demands a response from us. And the scripture that came to mind uh, to me was from First uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, where Paul said that, that Jesus died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who was crucified for us and was raised again. And so our offering is simply one of the many expressions of our life of gratitude in response to his love. It's really an expression of love. You know, our money and our our gifts and our time and serving each other and serving our community, all of that is a response to what Jesus did as we'll see portrayed today in his great sacrifice for us. So you can see on the screen, uh, there's a number of ways to give through our app or through our website or um, even here you can give as you leave today. So thank you for the joy of participating together in building the kingdom of Jesus. So let me just take a moment to pray and set our hearts right as we enter into this story now. So God, we, um, we brought a lot of noise into this moment in our heads, the thoughts, thoughts about tomorrow, anxiety, concern. We just ask that you would help to quiet all of that, that just for these next moments we could be fully present, fully mindful, fully engaged in this story. God, I ask that you would make it fresh for me and for each of us, that we would sit in the wonder of what transpired on that first Good Friday. In your name, amen.
2: Jesus, blood.
4: How did he come? He didn't burst onto the scene in golden light, dressed in celestial white. He came in the flesh, bloodied and bawling from his mother's inner cradle into the night air. What is more human than blood, birth and pain? Fully human, without a single stain, did he get splinters, toothaches, stub stubbed toes, measles? Did he wake up terrified by dreams, get scolded for chewing with open mouth? Did he grow like a weed? Did he sneeze in threes and have achy knees? How did he leave? He died human too, his body torn to the bones, then deeper still. His lifeblood pooled beneath him, hanging there. Lifeblood ebbed from him and flowed down to us, taking life, giving life. Did he know? How much and when that he was God incarnate would die for men. The same people who roared with praise turned right around again and cried out in rage. If Their hearts grow cold is the blood also chilled or does it race hotter through the veins burning with destruction, corruption, and self-promotion. We love you. We hate you. His heart beats for them and us the same. We is created, called for this blood treachery, dry throat, thirsty for it. The ground was cracked too. All the earth calling it in a twisted, strangled scream for the death of perfection.
5: and his apostles reclined at the table.
6: I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes.
5: And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it.
6: This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me.
5: In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup.
6: This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you.
5: And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them,
6: You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee.
5: Peter answered him,
6: Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you.
5: And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them,
6: Sit here while I go there and pray.
5: He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them,
6: My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me.
5: And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, Remove
6: this cup from me. Nevertheless, not by will, but yours be done.
5: And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he returned to the disciples and said to them,
6: Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer.
5: While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. And with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him,
6: Friend, do what you came to do.
5: Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him and behold, One of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus answered,
6: No more of this.
5: And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who came for him,
6: Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? every day i was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me but this is your hour when darkness
5: reigns and they led jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together simon peter and another disciple were following jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. he went with jesus into the high priest's courtyard But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter.
6: I am not.
5: Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him. This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath.
6: I don't know the man.
5: After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said,
6: Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away.
5: Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them.
6: I don't know the man.
5: Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him.
6: Before the rooster crows today, You will disown me three times.
5: And he went outside and wept bitterly. I've come here alone. Watch me cry
1: all night long. I'm not coming home. At all tonight Oh tonight oh. The heat of the storm Warned these lights Oh these lights Oh these lights to the swamp The car
5: Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him,
0: Are you the king of the Jews?
5: And he answered him,
0: You have said so.
5: Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds,
0: I find no guilt in this man.
5: But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them,
0: Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ?
5: for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them,
0: Which of the two do you want me to release for you?
5: And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them,
0: Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ?
5: And they all said, Let him be crucified.
0: Why? What evil has he done?
5: But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying,
0: I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves.
5: And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and let him away to crucify him. You are the
2: word of the i
4: None of his words could be true. His miracles too. Death is taking him, pulling him to the grave. Not even resisting the depraved. It was a sham, a hoax, a game. But I saw him heal the lame. And why is the air electric with things unseen? Will God somehow intervene? sockets popping, lungs seeking deep, rattling, rasping final breath, gathering enough air to out loud bless. The weight of the world, a vast palm, the blue marble easily spins, but how could a man shoulder all sin? Is the world in God's hand as they say, or was it all? on Christ's shoulders that day.
5: And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gal, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temples and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And Jesus said, Father,
6: Forgive them, for they know not what they do.
5: From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Jesus cried out in a loud voice,
6: Eli, Eli, Lama
5: which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran out and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When he had received the drink, Jesus said,
1: It
2: is finished.
5: With that, He bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
1: There was a moment when the lights went out when death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There are the cross they made for sinners. For every curse is blood atone. One final breath and it was finished.
3: By 3 o'clock that Friday afternoon, it really seemed like all was lost. Darkness had filled the skies. An earthquake had shaken the ground. Nearby in Jerusalem, in the temple, the veil that was at the Holy of Holies had been torn in two. Nearly everyone who had walked with Jesus During the three years of his ministry, his disciples, his closest friends, almost all of them had abandoned him in his darkest hour. And now here he was on the cross, dead. So he was taken from the cross and he was carried a short distance to a tomb that had been given for this purpose. And he was wrapped in grave clothes and placed inside the tomb. And then a large stone was rolled across the entrance, and it was sealed. And if you can try to picture or imagine that inside now, in the cold, in the darkness, utter darkness, and loneliness, is the body of Jesus, lifeless. And when I picture that, deep sadness comes over me. Because the one described in the Gospels did not deserve this. He loved people. He cared for the poor. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He would go after and embrace and be with people who were judged and rejected and pushed the margin of their culture to the point that he got a reputation of being the friend of sinners. And his teachings, unlike any other in all of human history, he taught us how to love and forgive even our enemies. He talked about joy and how to find lasting peace He talked about a way of life that didn't involve violence or hatred, but generosity and love. He did not deserve this. And yet, here he was, as you saw, portrayed, humiliated, shamed, mocked, spit on, beaten, tortured, and suffered the most painful death death imaginable. What a travesty of justice. What a tragedy. Now, when I, when I hear myself say those words, when I, when I consider the story, the images we've just seen, I think to myself, and I want you to imagine, what if someone came in today to this service and they'd never heard anything about Christianity? They, didn't, they knew nothing about Jesus. And a friend of them said, would you like to come to my church? We have this event called Good Friday. I think sitting here, that man or that woman would be extremely puzzled. They would have some questions like, why in the world are you showing a story like this? Of just utter agony and injustice and death. And why in the world would you name this Good Friday? I was coming to church because I was expecting something good. Why would you call this Good Friday? And those are good questions. But I think the reality is the answer to that question is found in the fact that this story is only a portion of the bigger story, the broader story. In the midst of everything that we've seen so far today, everything we know about this story, there's something larger and grander and actually beautiful and wonderful that's going on here. In the midst of all that ugliness, there's something wonderful that has transpired. A few years, a number of years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Paul wrote a letter to followers of Jesus who were living in a city called Corinth, which is in the country of Greece. And in this letter, I, I found a sentence, a verse, that I think answers that question why we still call it Good Friday, because for 2,000 years we've been doing this now, retelling this story and saying that it's a good story. And in these, this one sentence in Second Corinthians, Paul, I think, summarizes why it's good. And not only that, I think it summarizes the whole point of this book, the Bible. And I think it summarizes the whole point in the, of the good news, the gospel. This is what he wrote. This is again, again, just a couple decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what this story is about. It's about the God of the universe who came into his own creation. He didn't send a rescue party to fix it. He came himself. And we have no idea the riches that he left. We can't even imagine it in our wildest dreams. Paul would write elsewhere to the church in Philippi these words that that Jesus, though he was equal with God, did not consider that equality something to be grasped, but he let it go. And he humbled himself and he took on the form of a servant. That's leaving riches into poverty. And then he goes on in Philippians to say that he would not only humble himself, but he would become obedient to death, even death on a cross. The poverty we've just seen displayed on these screens in this story. He he who is rich for our sake became poor. Why? So, So that through that poverty he could make us rich. Well, What kind of riches are we talking about? Just let these words, let's let these words wash over us. Forgiveness, Grace, Compassion, Love, Community, Hope. Purpose. Significance. In a future, as we'll see on Easter Sunday, that no one can take away. He was rich, but he became poor, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. That is the message of Good Friday. That's what we've witnessed today, the poverty of God, in order to make us rich. And as I said, God didn't wait for us to figure this out. He came. The message of the gospel, the message of the cross, is that God came to us in our brokenness, in our failure, in our weakness, in our sin. He came to us in that, demanding nothing except to receive from him. The story of Jesus beginning with the incarnation which we celebrate at Christmas and now concluding in Good Friday and Easter is a story of a God who said, I'm going to come into humanity and heal you from the inside as one of you. And so all the injustice and agony is what he chose because of his great love for those that he had created, even in our condition. Jesus had shared with his disciples the night before all this transpired He told them what was coming. And they didn't believe it or they couldn't understand it. But in that last dinner together at Passover, he sat with them, I think, loving them so deeply, knowing the hardship of the next three days that was going to come upon them as he suffered and died, but knowing what was ahead. And he wanted to give them something to remember the whole story by. And so that's when he took the bread that was at the table And he took the cup and he gave significance to these. They became symbols of this wonderful story that we celebrate this weekend. And so at home, uh, if you're streaming online with us, I'd encourage you to get the elements that you've chosen to participate with us. And for those of you in the room, hopefully you've gotten a start on this. Um, And I know that many of you have grown up in other traditions in the church and this is probably not the way... Many of you have done this before, but I think the point of this moment for Jesus was that we would enter into a time of remembering, and that's what this day has been about. These last minutes together have been about remembering this story. And the beauty of the story, hidden in all of the ugliness of the story, the beauty of a God who loves, a God who demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He came for us. He came to rescue us. He came to give us hope and to give us life. And so as he was with his disciples, the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he said to them, and he says to this now, Jesus is here with us now, and he's saying, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he said to his disciples and he's saying to us tonight, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, the new promise, which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. I could just ask you if you're comfortable doing so to just close your eyes for a moment just to live in this memory to live in this remembrance what does this story mean for you? Do you hear God in the silence speaking his words to you his words of love for you? Jesus, what pain you endured. What humiliation you endured for us. What darkness you entered on our behalf. What amazing love you demonstrated. Help us to remember. To believe and to embrace all that this means and everything that your sacrifice tells us about who you are and how you see us. In your name, amen.
1: Love, price of life's demand, the shameful sin placed on him, the hope of every man. Oh, the blood.
2: How can
3: We really hope that God has spoken to your heart tonight, met you where you are, and that you know the depth of his love for each of us. Of course, this is not the end of the story. We hope that you'll come back tomorrow, or Easter Sunday, where we will look at the resurrection of Jesus. But um, as we leave today, as we conclude our service, we'd like to do it a little bit differently than we Normally do if you attend here. We'd like you to have some time for silence. And some of us will be in the lobby um, near the hub, which is right in the center. If you'd like to talk more about what you've heard today, if you have questions, if you'd like someone to pray with you, we'd be happy to do that. But we'd like to invite you to just sit um, where you are right now and just reflect on the moment. Talk to God. Listen to what God might be saying to you today. And then when you're ready... We ask you to please leave quietly and hold on uh, to your conversations until you're out in the lobby. And so God, just dismiss us now. But we know that you're with us always, even to the end of the age. God, just continue to work in our hearts. Seeds that have been sown tonight would bear fruit in us. pray in your name, amen.
0: You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.